Just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. Oh, how should this real? At one moment I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. But if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will change my mind about the disaster that I intended to bring upon it. And at another moment, I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it. But if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will change my mind about the good that I intended to do to it. Now therefore, save the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, Look, I am a potter shaping evil against you and devising a plan against you. Turn now, all of you from your evil way, and amend your ways and your doings. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
to Philema, our dear friend, and co-worker to Apphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God, because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you receive all the good we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man, and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I'm appealing to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now indeed useful to both you and to me. I am sending him, that is my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep me with I wanted to keep him with me, so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent, in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he's wronged you in any way or owes you anything, Charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I said. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost, to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and it is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. For what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with ten thousand to oppose the one who comes against him with twenty thousand? If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So, therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, 
and said to them, Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Jesus sees the large crowds following him, and instead of speaking warm words of welcome, he speaks sharp words of warning. Why? Because if we've been reading Luke's Gospel, we know that Jesus is walking to Jerusalem. Jesus wants the crowds to understand that he is not on his way to Jerusalem to start a revolution, nor to bring prosperity to the masses. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem because he has an appointment with death. In Jerusalem, he will be nailed to a cross and left to die. If people want to follow him to Jerusalem, they must understand what awaits him, and they must decide if they want to continue on this costly journey. In his essay, Gabriel speaks of religion and spirituality as fantasies that people created to stay off the horror of death. He doesn't say what led him to that conclusion, but I wonder if he ever read Luke's Gospel, where this man Jesus, far from staving off the horror of death, walked right into the jaws of death. What kind of religion is that? Gabriel writes that his oldest son, who is six, has begun to ask him about death. I wish that Gabriel and his children could visit Trinity. I want them to look in on our church school and children's choirs. Because through the Bible stories and conversations, the questions and prayers, the hymns and harmonies, young voices blending in song, our children are becoming friends with Jesus, the Lord of life, who was on his way to die. And then I wish Gabriel and his children could join us in the sanctuary for the Eucharist. They might get a glimpse of how a Russian Orthodox theologian, Alexander Schnemann, described the church. The church is heaven on earth. It is the joy of recovered childhood, that free, unconditioned joy, which alone is capable of transforming the world. As Christians, we don't grow old and wise. We grow young and free. We imitate our children in becoming friends of Jesus, and over time, Perhaps over many, many years, we become children again ourselves, perfectly at home in God's house, knowing that when we share the bread of life, who is Jesus, we are for a time out of time in heaven. In heaven, death is nowhere to be found, because wherever Jesus is, Death ends and life begins. Jesus didn't ignore death. He didn't make peace with death. He didn't teach us to treat death as simply a natural part of life. By his dying and rising, Jesus destroyed death. Death has no place in the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean we won't die. We will all die. But Jesus has shown us that death does not mean annihilation. That was what Gabriel was most afraid of as a child, that death would obliterate him. In Jesus, 
we see that death is the door to heaven. It is the gate of eternal life. I can't prove any of this to Gabriel. And anyway, these are not concepts to be explained, but rather mysteries to be explored. I wish Gabriel could come with his children to Trinity and spend some time here in God's house. I know where he's coming from, but I believe there is something more. Simone, 
gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving, knowing that all are welcome at God's table.
Amen. 